0: Have you seen Jesus, my Lord? He's here in plain view. Take a look, open your eyes. He'll show it to you. Have you ever stood at the ocean with the white foam at your feet? Felt the endless thundering motion Then I say, you've seen Jesus my Lord Have you seen Jesus my Lord? He's here in plain view Take a look, open your eyes He will show it to you Have you ever stood at the sunset with the sky mellowing red? Seen the clouds suspended like feathers? Then I say, you've seen Jesus, my Lord. Have you seen Jesus, my Lord? He's here in plain view. Take a look, open your eyes. He will show it to you. Have you ever stood at the cross with a man hanging in pain? Seen the look of love in his eyes? Then I say, you've seen Jesus, my Lord. Have you seen Jesus, my Lord? He's here in plain view. Take a look, open your eyes. He will show it to you. Have you ever stood in the family with the Lord there in your midst? Seen the face of Christ in your brother? Then I say, you've seen Jesus my Lord. Have you seen Jesus my Lord? He's here in plain view, take a look, open your eyes, he will show it to you.
1: Good evening. Tonight, I'll be reading from James 4, verse 7 through 10. I'll be reading from the New King James Version. Therefore, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Lament and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy turned to gloom. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and he will lift you up.
0: For open in prayer, we'll sing number 245. 245. I want to be a worker for the Lord. I want to love and trust his holy word. I want to sing and pray and be busy every day in the kingdom of the Lord. I will work. I will pray in the vineyard, in the vineyard of the Lord. I will work, I will pray, I will labor every day in the vineyard of the Lord. I want to be a worker every day. I want to lead the airing in the way. That leads to heaven above, where all is peace and love in the kingdom of the Lord. I will work, I will pray, in the vineyard, in the vineyard of the Lord. I will work, I will pray, I will labor every day in the vineyard of the Lord. I want to be a worker strong and brave. I want to trust in Jesus' power to save. All who will truly come shall find a happy home in the kingdom of the Lord. I will work, I will pray in the vineyard, in the vineyard of the Lord. I will work, I will pray, I will labor every day in the vineyard of the Lord.
2: let us pray. Heavenly Father, we just thank you so much for this beautiful Lord's Day and we thank you for allowing us to come together tonight as a band of Thy children to sing these songs to praise thy great and holy name and hear another lesson from your word. Heavenly Father, we just ask you to be with each one of us that we will take the lesson that we hear tonight and apply it to our lives that we can live closer to you tomorrow than we have in the past. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for your son Jesus who was willing to come to this earth and live among men and die a cruel death on the cross, that we can have a home in heaven someday if we're found faithful. Dearly Father, we just ask at this time, we know there are many that's on our prayer list here. Uh, You know each and every one of them by name. Dearly Father, we just ask you to please uh, heal them if it be your will. Please be with those that are going into. Uh, the hospitals for procedures and tests. We just ask you that they get good reports and, dearly, Father, uh, where they can have a, a speedy health and they can be back in worship with us again. Dearly, Father, we just thank you for the progress of some of our sick is made that has been able to come back, and we just ask you to please continue to be with them and they can stay healthy. Just please be with all of us during this uh, time Dear Father, we just ask you to please be with those that are grieving over loss of loved ones. May they look to you for strength and comfort as only you can give them. Dear Father, we just ask you to please be with us that we can be the shining light that you would have us to be out in this dark and cruel world that others may see you living in us. Dear Father, that we can spread the gospel to those that we come in contact with, that we can reach out to the lost and save them before it's everlastingly too late. Tell me, Father, we just thank you for everything. We just thank you for Jesus, and it's in his name we pray. Amen.
0: If you'd like to mark your song books, it'd be 739, 739. And before our sermon, we'll sing number 552, 552. If you wouldn't mind, if you would, please stand for the song. Walking along at eve and viewing the skies afar, bidding the darkness come to welcome me, silver star, I have a great delight in the wonderful scenes above. God in his power and might, Showing His truth and love. Oh, for a home with God, a place in His courts to rest, sure in a safe abode with Jesus and the blessed. Rest for a weary soul, once redeemed by the Savior's love, will be pure and whole and live with my God above. Sitting along at Eve and dreaming the hours away. Watching the shadows falling now at the close of day. God in his mercy comes with his word he is drawing near. Spreading his love and truth around me and everywhere. Oh, for a home with God, a place in his courts to rest. Sure in a safe abode with Jesus and the blessed. Rest for a weary soul once redeemed by the Savior's love. Where I'll be pure and whole and live with my God above. Closing my eyes at Eve and Thinking of heaven's grace, longing to see my Lord, yes, meeting Him face to face, trusting Him as my all, wheresoever my footsteps roam, pleading with Him to guide me onto the Spirit's home. Oh, for a home with God, a place in His courts to rest. Sure in a safe abode with Jesus and the blessed. Rest for a weary soul, once redeemed by the Savior's love. Where I'll be pure and whole and live with my God above. Please be seated.
1: We had a good time. Today, uh, caroling and going and visiting several of our uh, elderly folks and shut-ins, and appreciate all those who went and and joined us, and uh, for Brian driving the bus, it was just a a fun afternoon. We appreciate it, and uh, appreciate those who put the baskets together as well. Tonight we're going to be doing our uh, Let the Bible Speak. I've always enjoyed these lessons, probably one of my favorite lessons to bring, and so it's, uh, I call it the Sunday night question and answer night. And one thing I did want to mention and just remind each of you is just remember that these lessons um, are created uh, and they're based on, on your questions. So these questions come from you, and uh, I always appreciate the chance to, to learn from your questions, and it causes me to research and study. So just keep, keep those questions coming, keep um, Thinking and having discussions and writing it out, brother Tom. You know, we were we were talking about this and questioning uh, what this meant, and so it allows me to research and then share with you. So, thank you, and keep those keep those questions coming, keep those uh, ideas coming. Our topic tonight on slide four is um, it's a two part lesson. that's going to be if we can go forward to number four, uh, it's about apostles. And uh, it's going to be a two-part series, one tonight and then one next Sunday night on the subject. I just happened to get two questions simultaneously about apostles. And who are the, here are the two questions on our next slide. Is Number one, were the apostles uh, baptized in water? And if so, where is that shown in the Bible? Uh, I've never been asked that question before, so that's interesting, a learning experience. Number two, we'll talk about next Sunday night, is are there apostles in the church Today, we've probably heard people make reference to the apostolic church. Um, so, what does that mean? What is that all about? What are the qualifications of apostles and, um, and how were they appointed and, and do they exist today? So, very interesting. So, that'll be our topic tonight and, and next Sunday night. The next slide is basically just the Greek word uh, apostolos. Apostolos is the Greek. And it means the short definition, the easy definition, is basically a messenger, one who's dispatched, one who's sent. Uh, That person is sent out on a mission, uh, and that's what constitutes an apostle. On the next slide, I just have basically uh, a little more detailed explanation. He's uh, a messenger, an envoy, somebody that's a delegate, a representative. So think of an apostle as a person who is given a specific commission, in other words, the person in authority, it could be a king or in this case Jesus, who says eye to eye directly to people, I am sending you out and I'm giving you responsibilities uh, to take care of these things. And, and specifically, we see the apostles in the case of Jesus, they were sent out to preach the gospel And so a commission is marching orders. It's given directly from the source. And so I just said basically three things. You're representing me, Jesus said. Two, tell others the news. Tell them the good news of of my death, burial, and resurrection. And then he says, go into these regions. I want you to, I'm dispatching you. I'm telling you to go and spread and and go with my authority. And so we see in the case of the New Testament apostles, all of these things were true, But uh, I'll talk more about those topics next week. I just sort of wanted to lay the groundwork and introduce the idea of apostles. Now, it's interesting because um, I had this discussion earlier tonight with one of our our brethren. And uh, just an interesting thought, a concept. All disciples uh, and Christians are followers of Christ. This is on slide 9 and uh so, in other words they're they're followers uh that's what a disciple is, so all apostles were disciples, they were followers of Jesus, but very few disciples were apostles. Does that make sense? So in other words, a disciple is somebody that says, "I've heard Jesus speak, I've seen him heal, I've heard what he had to say and how he treats people." I want to follow him. I want to subscribe to his teaching. I want to learn more about him and teach my family about him. In other words, I I want to to line up and follow where he goes. And so all of the apostles in the New Testament were disciples, but not all disciples were apostles. And you see, apostle comes with its special um, responsibilities and qualifications. And so I mentioned a moment ago, that next week we're going to be going into more detail about the qualifications of apostles, what makes an apostle, and are they present in the church today. Let's begin by turning in our Bibles to Mark chapter 3. That's just a good place to start, the, the first apostles and when they were chosen. One thing that I'm going to mention to you is the Bible makes reference to two groups of people as serving as the foundation of the church. One was the prophet's. And the other is the apostles. The prophets and the apostles are what the church is built upon. So think of it as a foundational uh, platform that God made. The the preaching and teaching of of the prophets and the work of the apostles together, they made the foundation of the church. Here they are in Mark 3 and we're going to begin in verse 13 I just this never really occurred to me until I read it and and all of a sudden you know how you read something and you're like I just I never read that before listen to this he went up on the mountain now we don't know what mountain this is and called to him those whom he desired so as you know me as I'm reading I'm like okay well he didn't have a cell phone right obviously that just not what he did. How did he call them? Was he up on the mountain like, hey, yeah, yeah, you, come up here. I don't, I don't know how he called them. Is it possible that, that possibly through the Spirit there was a beckoning, a call to them, or was he preaching and teaching down in the villages and he said, you follow me, sort of like when he, when he called the apostles is that how he, he called them? I, I don't know how he called them. But anyway, he, he gathers them together. And it says, he went up on the mountain and called to him those whom he desired. They came to him. Now, here's who he pointed. verse 14. He named them apostles so that they might be with him. And he might send them out to preach and have authority to cast out demons. So there, right off the bat, we see... This is what makes apostles unique. They were handpicked by Jesus with a job to do. He sent them out. They were a delegate. They were commissioned to preach and had authority in the name of Jesus to cast out demons. He appointed the twelve. Simon, to whom he gave the name Peter. And I got to tell you, as I'm reading this list, my mind's taking me back to the chosen, right? And I'm thinking, whoa, what a diverse group. Of guys. You know, Peter, the fisherman, outspoken. He's always the leader. He's the one that, Lord, we've been thinking. You know, we, we wanted to talk to you about this. Peter's always out there, out front, telling Jesus what's on his mind. Uh, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, the brother of, uh, of James, to whom he gave the name Boan, Boanerges, I believe. That is the sons of thunder. So, James and John, brothers. Uh, Andrew, Philip, Bartholomew, wow, talk about a misfit. Matthew, the tax collector, uh, who they really hated, but they were forced to accept him because Jesus said, hey, this is one of your fellow apostles. They're like, no, no, you don't understand, Lord. He says, no, this is going to be one of the apostles, Matthew. They're like, a tax collector. Thomas, James, the son of Alphaeus, Thaddeus, and Simon the Zealot, what I love about Simon the Zealot is when Jesus calls Simon to be with the apostles when they first come, he gets up in the morning and goes through his like ninja routine. You know, he's training in these hand-to-hand combat moves. Why? Because he's a zealot. He's been trained to kill Romans. That's what he does. And uh, it's just fascinating to see these people and their diversity and what they did. But yet Jesus brought this very diverse group together. And, and chose them to do this, that he might send them out to preach and have authority to cast out demons. So there is absolutely no question that the 12 that were chosen by Jesus were, in fact, apostles. They were handpicked. They were eyewitnesses. They had the power and authority. And uh, so here's our question we're going to jump into tonight. Part one, were they baptized in water? Well, I'm going to tell you right now, I'm, I'm reading and I'm studying, and I don't see any direct reference to water immersion. It's just not there. So we're going to do our best to kind of study the topic, uh, infer some things. Um, we're going to start out with John the Baptist in Mark 1. If you want to turn there, I've got it here on the, on the slide as well. So the short answer to that question is I don't see a record of any of the apostles being baptized except for one. And we're going to get there at the end of our lesson, so you have to wait. All right? Mark 1, 4. John appeared, this is John the Baptist, baptizing in the wilderness and proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. Now, I found this interesting in in verse 5. All the country of Judea, And all Jerusalem were going out to him and were being baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. Now, this is sort of a form of hyperbole. Uh, This is common in Jewish writings. I don't think Mark means literally every single person, every man, woman, and child. He didn't mean literally all, but he said practically all, the country of Judea and all Jerusalem. There was a vast number of people that went out. Even, we're told, uh, according to the Bible, the religious experts, the elite, the Pharisees and Sadducees went out to hear what John the Baptist had to say. Not that they necessarily lined up to be baptized, but it was quite a show to go out and see this strange man who said strange things, who ate wild locusts and honey and wore a special coat, a garment. John the Baptist. And so it appears that many people went out and received baptism according to to Mark in chapter 1, verse 4. Now that Mark, we know, is one of the apostles. Um, In verse 9, if you have your Bible open in Mark 1, drop down to verse 9 because it says that Jesus was baptized by John the Baptist. So... The word gets out. This disciple, this teacher, the rabbi, is baptized by John. Verse 16, uh, we see Jesus is selecting the apostles. And yet, as I mentioned before, there's, there's no mention at this point of any of them receiving water baptism. I find that kind of odd that um, he did not specifically mention, nor did any of the apostles mention them being baptized. We know that he said, follow me, I will make you become fishermen of men, Mark 1 and verse 17. Now, a couple of things to think about. To follow Jesus means that they literally walked in his steps. They walked along him, uh, they, they slept in tents surrounded by him, they watched him perform miracles, they heard him teach, they heard him uh, interact with people, and so there was a very intimate setting So when Jesus says, follow me, they followed him. But not only did they follow his teaching, but it means that they followed his pattern of living and maybe even were baptized just as Jesus was baptized. By the way, I don't know if anybody's ever really mentioned this, but why was Jesus baptized? We understand that people confessed their sins when they were baptized by John the Baptist But Jesus hadn't committed any sin, had he? He was perfect. He was perfect in every way. Why? Well, a couple of reasons. One was for his example, I think, to the apostles and those around him, showing the importance of baptism. And secondly, it gave the Father a chance to confirm that this truly was Messiah because John had been told earlier by the Spirit that you will know it's the Messiah because you will see the Spirit descending upon him, right, in the form of a dove. Fascinating. Simultaneously, as this dove descends and alights on Jesus, we hear a voice from heaven, this is my beloved Son, in whom I'm well pleased. So a very unusual event surrounding the baptism of Jesus. So the apostles followed Jesus in proximity But they also followed Jesus in his life, his teaching, and his commands. And it stands to reason, just follow the logic here, if Jesus had been immersed in water, I think there was a very good chance perhaps the apostles at some point had been immersed in water too. When? We don't know. That's something we have to speculate. So what I did in preparing this lesson, and to be honest with this question, I said, let's look for some patterns And see if we can make a connection between the apostles and baptism and draw any inferences, right? Kind of see if baptism and apostles is mentioned together in the New Testament. So the first thing I did is I went to sort of the end of Jesus' ministry in Mark 16, 16, a passage we are all very familiar with where Jesus says uh, to go into all the world, right? To baptize. And so uh, it's interesting that in Mark 16, 16, baptism is required. It's not an option. Jesus didn't say go into all the world and suggest to people that they need to be baptized. No, he said that they must be baptized. Go into all the world and preach this gospel. Baptizing people. Verse 19 says they went out and preached Everywhere. What did they teach? They taught the good news of the death, the burial, the resurrection, the life of Jesus, redemption found in him. And I suspect they taught baptism. Now, at this point, I find it really odd that these men of God that that had the Holy Spirit working in them and they were preaching in a very powerful way would be teaching baptism had they not been baptized themselves. It really is counterintuitive. It makes no sense at all. In Matthew twenty-eight nineteen, Matthew himself, one of the apostles, records these words that Jesus says, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit. That's pretty specific. Not only does it mention baptism, but it says that baptism is directly connected to one's salvation. You see, not only do we sort of use these verses as a proof text that baptism is important, But this is what the apostles did, it's what they taught, and they followed the command of Jesus. So baptism is a big deal, it's important. I know there are some religious groups today that sort of downplay baptism, and it's like, you have to believe, just believe. Accept him into your heart. Well, I agree with that. That's, that's true. You have to believe. You have to accept Jesus in your heart. Romans 10 is a good text that supports that concept. But then they will say at that instant that you believe and you make this confession with your mouth that you're saved. And I'm like, yeah, but Jesus mentioned baptism, right? Right up front when he gave that commission to his apostles, he mentioned Baptism. That's part of the salvation process. Oh, no, 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 that's a work. It's something that you do after you're saved, they say. And I'm like, you know what? It just doesn't make sense to me. It doesn't add up on the timeline that I find in the Bible. Baptism right out of the chute when Jesus gave that commission to his apostles. Baptism was commanded to be taught everywhere, and they preached and went and baptized So I'm confident when I say as a minister of the gospel that baptism is directly connected to one's salvation. And I hope that you agree as well. And I hope that you don't have any qualms or problems telling others who might be considering becoming a Christian that baptism is how we obey the death, the burial, and the resurrection. As a matter of fact, if we follow this trail of the apostles and this idea of baptism into Acts chapter 2, the beginning of the church, and that first very powerful message of Pentecost when Peter stood up. We know the text. We quote it all the time. Those who heard Peter's message asked, Brothers, what shall we do? They had literally been convicted of crucifying the Son of God, the Messiah. It says that they were pricked in their hearts. They felt convicted, and so they cried out, Peter, Peter, what? Must we do. Peter said, believe in your heart and you'll be saved. Is that what he said? Nope. Just say this prayer with me. Is that what he said? Nope. You see, the apostles are teaching water baptism. And I have to believe at this point, and again, this is just my logic, this is something they have done themselves, and now they are commanding it. When people convicted in their heart are in a position to say, we've got to correct this problem, we crucified the Son of God, what do we do? Repent and be baptized. Every one of you, not just some of you, not just the men, Everyone that wants to become a Christian, be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. For, that is, a, that is a conditional clause. If you want to be forgiven, that's what that means. For the resulting forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Luke continues recording many accounts of salvation in Acts. Each account shows the apostles... Uh, or at least evangelist, Uh, you remember Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch in Acts 8? As they're going along together in the chariot, the Ethiopian eunuch says, wait, stop, (laughs) here's water, is there any reason that I can't be baptized? Have you ever wondered how did that eunuch come to that conclusion? Based on what Philip had been teaching him as they rode along together, starting out with the prophet Isaiah I believe Philip taught him about Jesus. He taught him about the gospel. He taught him about the death, the burial, the resurrection, and how we receive forgiveness of sins through water baptism. That's in Acts 8, verse 36. So in all of the accounts of the apostles' teaching, when those in the book of Acts want to be saved, in every account, without exception, we see water baptism. And so tonight, basically, I I want to kind of bring this lesson to a close and just ask a couple of questions. When we've, when we've looked at the apostles and the topic of baptism, we see a very strong correlation. So here's a question that we want to ask. Would the apostles command others to do something they had not done themselves? I say not likely, not likely. It just makes no sense, especially after Jesus gave, Orders to teach the gospel and baptize those who believe. We can only infer that they had been baptized. And that's one case uh, where we see a different person. And I'll, I'll conclude with that in just a moment. So another question. As we conclude tonight's lesson, we should also ask, Is there a possibility the apostles were baptized by Jesus or John, the Baptist? But these events were not recorded. And I appreciate Meg, and I don't think she gets enough credit as a preacher's wife, but we walk together and we talk about lesson. Hey, Meg, I got a lesson idea, you know, and so she sort of feeds me ideas. Have you thought about this? You thought about this. She goes, You know, there's a mention. Y'all turn with me to John 3. I thought this was really neat, and I wanted to share uh, something Meg brought up. She's sort of, a, I told her, she's a preacher's helper, very important job, and I need a helper to keep me straight. But in John three, look at verse twenty-two. This is the very last statement. Um, John three twenty-two. Oh, after this, Jesus and his disciples uh, went into the Judean countryside, and he remained there with them and was baptizing. Uh, John also was baptizing in Aenon. Uh, A- near Solemn, because water was plentiful there, and the people were coming to be baptized. So we, we know that Jesus had been baptizing, but is it possible, and this is where I wanted to get um, on our conversation the other day, Meg said maybe, maybe it just wasn't recorded. And, and so um, let me uh, make reference to the last, I think that's in our next slide, This is the very end of the Gospel of John. John says this himself, and Meg pointed it out, and I appreciate that. Now there are also many other things that Jesus did were every one of them to be written. I suppose, John says, that the world itself could not contain the books that would be written. What does that mean? I mean, Jesus did a whole lot of stuff that's just not written in the Gospels. He didn't have room. They just included the the really critical events and things that happened. Is it possible that the baptism of, of the apostles occurred and these were one of the events that weren't written or recorded? Very plausible because that's what John says. He says, many other things that Jesus did were every one of them to be written. I suppose that the world itself could not contain the book's that would be written. Boy, I wish I could have seen and been an eyewitness to all of the things that Jesus did in his short ministry. I think maybe one of those things that isn't written in the scriptures is the baptism of the apostles. But yet one apostle, untimely chosen, if you'll turn to Acts 10, was baptized, and we see a record of that, in Acts chapter 9, and that's Saul who later changed his name to the Greek name Paul. Acts 9, verse 10. Turn with me there. Actually, if you want to go back, you can see on the road to Damascus, he has an envoy with him. He's traveling with a group, and all of a sudden a bright light shines down and literally blinds Saul. It drives him to his knees. Uh, it must have been a very intense beam of light. The men who were traveling with him, verse 7, stood speechless. They heard a voice, but they saw no one. Saul rose from the ground, and although his eyes were open, he saw nothing. He'd been blinded. They led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus. And for three days he was without sight and neither ate nor drank. Now, pause the story and shift over to a different scene. Meanwhile, there's a Christian convert. His name is Ananias. Ananias, here I am, Lord. Rise and go to the street called Straight. And at the house of Judas, look for a man of Tarsus named Saul. For behold, as he praying, he has seen in a vision a man named Ananias. Come in and lay his hands on him. That he might regain his sight. Wait a minute, Lord. <laughs> did, did I did I hear you say Saul of Tarsus? Yes. This the same Saul of Tarsus that's arresting people and dragging them into jail and people have died because Saul's arrest that Saul? Mm-hmm. Lord, I have heard of for many about this man, how much evil he's done for your saints at Jerusalem. And here he has authority from the chief priests to bind all who call on your name. Go, the Lord said, for he's the chosen instrument of mine to carry my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. For I will show him how much he must suffer for the sake of my name. Ananias departed, verse 17, entered the house, laying his hands on him. He said... And I appreciate this. He's, I don't know, his hand may be trembling. (laughs) Am I going to die today? But yet, look what he called him. Brother Saul. Wow. The Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road by which you came and sent me so that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And immediately something like scales fell from his eyes and he regained his sight. And then he rose and was baptized. Paul, an apostle one untimely chosen by Jesus himself. Jesus had spoke to him. The Lord himself had commissioned Ananias to go pray for Saul and baptize him. He was baptized He took food and was strengthened. So at least in one case in Acts chapter 9, we have an apostle, that is Saul, later called Paul, was baptized into Christ out of the apostles. So I think, at least in my mind, there's very strong evidence that the apostles were baptized. So I want to challenge you tonight as we bring our lesson to a close. We're out of time. And that is that when you're talking... To people out there, you may have individuals who are religiously trained or inclined, or maybe they like to debate. You've run into those before who want to prove you wrong. Oh, you think baptism is required? Just say no, I I don't think baptism is required. It's just what the Bible teaches. You see, I follow what the Bible teaches. What I think doesn't matter. What the Bible teaches matters. And the Bible says we must be baptized. It's very clear and it's very simple. And it's not a matter of what I think or what you think. It's what the Bible says. Though we offer baptism to anyone who wants to become a Christian, and I suspect very strongly that the apostles, as they were out teaching and preaching in the name of Jesus, had been baptized, and we know for sure that the Apostle Paul had been. Thank you for the question. Look forward to our study next Sunday night, which will include the question of modern-day apostles. Do they exist? And if so, with what biblical authority? The invitation tonight is simply this. We're here to meet your needs, to help you. We invite you to come, whatever your burden may be. If there's something on your heart you want to share, if there's somebody you want to pray for, we welcome that opportunity to bring it before the throne of God what a privilege and opportunity it is to sing an invitation song and to ponder the greatness of God and know that he invites us. Come unto me, all you labor and are heavy laden. He says, I will give you rest. The invitation's yours tonight as we sing. Let's stand.
0: I have decided. The cross before me, no turning back, no turning back. Will you decide now to follow Jesus? Will you decide now to follow Jesus? Will you decide now to follow Jesus? No turning back no turning back if there's anyone needs to be served the lord's supper if you can make your way back to straight back to room number one while we sing our song before our closing prayer number 383 383 we sing the first and third verse Beyond this land of parting, losing and leaving, far beyond the losses, darkening this, and far beyond the taking and the bereaving, lies a summer land of bliss. Land beyond, so fair and bright, land beyond, where is no night. Summerland, God is his light. Oh, happy summerland of bliss. ¶ Beyond this land of waiting, seeking and sighing, far beyond the sorrows darkening this, ¶ and far beyond the pain and sickness and dying lies a summer land of bliss. ¶ Land beyond, so fair and bright, land beyond where is no night. ¶ Summerland, God is its light. Oh, happy Summerland of bliss! Let's pray together, dear dear Lord. We come before you, thanking you for another beautiful day you've given us, and we thank you for the ability uh, to be able to gather here today. And, dear Lord, we pray for those who were not able to be here, whether that be by choice or by illness. Uh, Dear Lord, just be with them and uh, pray that you bring them back to our fold. And, dear Lord, we want to pray for everybody who is sick and grieving in the loss of loved ones. Just be with them and comfort them the only way you can. And, dear Lord, we pray that you be with us as we uh, leave tonight and just give us safe travels. Home and dear Lord, we thank you most of all for your son Jesus who died on the cross for the remission of our sins so that we can have hope in heaven with you someday. And it's through his name that we pray. Amen.